Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Haley. And this is How to Not Get Killed. You sounded very tired. I know I did. I was like, <laughs> it's, past, it's past Haley's nap time. So <laughs> this is a huge inconvenience for her. 3.30 in the afternoon. Yep. It's and time. I'm getting tired, guys. <laughs> it's it's time. It's time. Um, I don't think we have anything to go over. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. This is coming out. This is coming out the first week of school for me. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Woo. I hope it's. Hope it's going okay. It's going good. <laughs> I don't know. It could be shit. I love talking to our future self. I know. It's so fun. I, you're you doing do great, this. sweetie. <laughs> it's literally, this is coming out on like day two of school. So. Yeah. I'm in the thick of it already. <laughs> I can feel it. So, yeah, other than, other than that. I don't, I don't have school anymore. Oh. How's that feel? Weird. It feels like when you're talking about school starting, I'm like, yeah, school's starting. Like, I I just, I I think I've only ever had one year. I took a year off between, like, before going to Scotland. Right. But other than that, every single year of my life since I was, like, five years old or whatever, I've had school in September. True. True. So I just feel like my brain isn't, like, really adjusting to that yet. It's just, like, school. It's time for school. It's time for school. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to, like, get up on the first day and be like, so I'm ready for school. You're going to have, like, your lunch pass My laptop. I'm like, where's the lecture? (laughs) Where am I going? (laughs) Where's school today? (laughs) Wandering the streets. (laughs) Streets looking for a a school. Starbucks and a textbook. Yeah. (laughs) Some glasses. Like, (laughs) calculator. I don't know. I'm not even in math. No. (laughs) No. Definitely not us. We're not in math. Uh, actually, I think I have to take statistics this year, and Ooh. so if you see me no longer alive, it's probably because of that class. I'm sorry. I did have to take statistics as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like they just make everybody take it. Why, though? Like, it's what dumb. statistics? I don't know why. I can't tell you Okay. Why. And if I, you can't tell me that I know, there's really no reason for it. Because like, usually I'm like, Haley, tell me what's going on. Tell me why. Well, even, like, research methods. Do you have to take re- research methods yeah. at any point? It's like, usually they're paired. I think I have to like, take two pairs. Re- I think I have to take, yeah, two of it. And it's like, I I understand the importance of understanding how research is done and like the different ways to do research and whatever. But yeah. like, if you're not going into research, it's just really boring because you're like, I'm never going to do this, you know? True. And it's, yeah, it's just one of those things where I think there are some people that are like, yeah, I want to like go on and get my PhD and like do research. Nobody wants to do research. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, and that's great. And that's interesting to you. But for like the other like 98% of people who are like, just have to get through this class. Yeah. Fair. It's dry. Luckily, I mean, I had a good prof, so, like, he made it like, as interesting as he could, so that's kind of the way it goes. Yeah. Like, profs, like, make or break. Oh, 100%. Course. So you might get, like, a nice, yeah. cheery, funny I hope. professor. You I hope not one updated. that's, like, in 72%. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to be like, oh, great. <laughs> but, yeah, we have, like, a lot of, like, repeat professors in our program because it's very just, like, structured to be, like, one specific path. I don't want to get too much Anyways, but, um, so I have this feeling it's going to be like taught by some of our professors that already teach like a large portion of our other classes. So Mm -hmm. if that's the case, great, because so far I haven't really had like a professor from like my core classes that I don't like. It's been my electives and stuff that I'm like, oh, like that one professor I literally was like, I'm going to file a legal lawsuit against (laughs) 
fucking sucked. I should write a review on what's it called? There's the there's that website. Rate rate my teacher or whatever. Rate my prof. Rate my yeah, prof. Rate, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Because before I went into um my first year at Western, I went on that and I looked up all my profs and stuff. And you know what's funny is like as I was having those problems with him, I even like looked it up then. And that's when I was like, ooh, I wish I read this before taking this class. Yeah. Because a lot of it was like, he will ruin your life. He fucking sucks. Yeah. And it wasn't even, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's like, it's like Uber for profs. Like, yeah. honestly, there's a star rating and shit yeah. and, like, comments and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. So here's my really fast recap of part one. We covered both backgrounds of Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Buono. And... Pretty much that's it. We got up until the point of them abducting Yolanda Washington. Yes. Did I miss anything? <laughs> <laughs> no. No? Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like this is one of those cases where like I would say definitely listen to their backgrounds before just jumping into like what they've done because it just, I don't know, helps make a lot more sense, I guess. I think, yeah, I think with any offender, it would be easy to like hear about what they've done and be like wow that's just fucked up they just must have been born evil which like some people arguably definitely are but like yeah i think everyone's childhood everyone's background and like their life story yeah plays a role in what they end up doing and being like becoming so yeah i think you're right it's just like the the foundation for what is to come yeah yeah plus like like we said in part one if you listen there's a lot of homework it comes back in part three and four Mm-hmm. so do your fucking homework guys mm-hmm. did you just see my eye twitch did you see it it's still happening it's doing the thing where it's like you know no, i can't see it because it's like i feel like eye twitches are so um like minuscule but when it happens to you because it happens to me all the time like, it feels like <laughs> my eye is like popping out of my face <laughs> no, you're, you're like, yeah, you not see this? like come on yeah sometimes i feel like because like i have very like loose skin around my eyes i know my mom gets it too where like you can see it yeah. I feel like it's too far away for you, but, like, it's usually, like, <laughs> it's, like, pretty noticeable. Yeah. I get that sometimes, too. When Just when I'm really tired, I get, like, eye twitches. Oh. I don't, I I don't, don't know, even I don't know what my cause is. I don't, just... I'm just assuming that's the cause. Like, oh. if I feel like whenever I get them and I'm like, oh, why is this happening? I'm, like, oh, I'm yeah, so I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah, okay. That and sense. someone told me that. They were like, oh, it can be a cause. Like, uh-huh. or it can be caused from, like, fatigue. But I'm sure there's other... Yeah, I, I've always Factors. heard stress, but I was like, I'm not that stressed right now. Stress, stress would be another one, yeah. I think, would be. Yeah, because, like, there are times where, like, stress? that's what I just said. I'm not that stressed right now. Like, I, I, my baseline normal self is stress. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. Her, regu- her regular state is stress. It's stress. So, so she's no more or less stressed than usual. That's the thing. It's like, right now, I feel like I'm at baseline where it's just like, well, there's stress always. But I'm not, like, I'm actually probably arguably more chill than I've ever been. Mm. I just got back from like vacation. Yeah. Way back. Yeah. Oh, it did it again. But I actually oh, yeah, I saw that one. It's like fucking bouncing the wall. <laughs> yeah, I was like, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> I like that. I looked at the wall like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I talked about my trip in the last yeah. episode. I went on a knit trip, you guys. She went on a knit trip. With my two, well, two of my knitting besties. Because I got a lot of knitting besties. But hi, Mary. I think there's a lot of knitters. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder how that happened. I have no idea. I have no idea how I met these people. <laughs> no, they but just to you. They just they come <laughs> to me. No, but Mary and Mara are, are fucking cool people. They're the best. We had a great time. Nice Very time. relaxing. 
They sound cool as fuck. Yeah. Or are uh, you friends? I don't know them. Oh, they but kept saying I, that the whole time. I, I, like, I, I feel like friends. we already know Haley. And I was like, you guys do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'll talk more about them in our bonus episode we're doing. Because that's what we watched together. Oh, that's true. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Gotta pay attention for that, you guys. Check out the bonus episode. Ooh, we're not even gonna tell you what it is yet. Or maybe it's already... I, I don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> Who knows? You'll Who find knows? out. Uh, we will find out. <laughs> so, okay, let's get into it. So, it was October 17th when they abducted Yolanda Washington off of Sunset Boulevard. Once they... We're getting right into it, by the way, guys. I didn't even give you a warning. This is It's already okay. immediately so, yeah. gruesome and rough. So, getting into it. The first two I do gloss over a little bit just because with both of them there isn't like extreme detail on like the scene setting. So if that's why you think I'm rushing through it, it's not because I'm like, holy fuck, we got to get to the end. It's just like these two, there isn't that much detail. Um, So they did abduct her and they had both violently raped her and tied ligatures around her ankles, wrists, and the final one around her neck, which is like a five point ligature marking. This later becomes their signature. Um, I don't know exactly how long they had her. This all took place in the back of, I believe, Angelo's vehicle. Okay. Yeah. So her body was discovered the next day on October 18th near 6510 Forest Lawn Drive, which was next to a cemetery, just like on like the side of the road. She still had a little bit of like fabric around her neck that was like almost like into the groove of the ligature mark if that makes sense yeah okay yeah. I, i'm like just doing a hand gesture to Haley in mm-hmm. case anyone's wondering why i was like does that fucking make sense to you guys <laughs> <laughs> um and there was also a very tiny tiny amount of remnants of this like material like the same kind of fabric over her eyes like stuck to her eyelash okay um which is like a stuffing of some sort Oh. So they had, what they had used was like a, a stuffing, we'll get to it, and taped over their eyes. They do this to just about every single victim. Okay. It's kind of part of their whole MO as well as like the five-point restraints. So they, like the investigators had found that while like assessing the scene. Um, the unfortunate thing about like Yolanda when they had first discovered her was it wasn't necessarily like newsworthy because Yolanda was a sex worker. It was just kind of like, oh, we found one. That's it. It didn't raise eyebrows until the next victim. And that it only raised eyebrows with like two investigators, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it later becomes more of like a very prominent thing, obviously, as we'll see. So about like a week and a half ish goes by and 15-year-old Judith Miller was abducted on October 31st of 1977. There is hardly any information on this scenario. Um, I tried finding more details. Like, a a lot of the other victims, there's, like, a lot more detail on what happened, like, what took place inside the home, etc. But this case, there just wasn't a whole lot I could find. Okay. So I don't feel like I'm necessarily doing Judith Miller the best of justice, especially with her being a 15-year-old, which is like a child. Like, that's yeah, a literal baby. That's so young. Right? So, but, so in a similar fashion to Yolanda, she was violently raped and tortured. However, she was clearly tied to a chair and tortured there. 
this had taken place in Angelo's home. Um, I'll get more into this chair later, by the way. One thing that gets mentioned frequently that I haven't really heard too many other like podcasts mention, but I wanted to point this out with how obsessed Angelo is with like cleanliness. This is important. Um, they forced almost every single one of their victims to go to the bathroom prior to them actually strangling their victims to death so that they wouldn't leave a mess. If you know what I mean. Wow. Yeah. Um, one victim in particular um, as she was nude, they knew that they would be taking her life soon. I don't remember exactly which victim this happened to. It's just popping into my mind now. But they actually paused from strangling her, put pants on her, and then continued. Because they were so worried about her exiting her bowels or urinating. Oh my gosh. And it was like, it was partially because of just like cleanliness and mess, but also probably like a counteractive thing for forensic people to come in and like test stuff yeah yeah it's something i would not have thought of nope but it's like um talked about and obviously they had knowledge of what happens yeah when you strangle a person yeah especially like after their first two maybe, kills maybe like the they... maybe the first um maybe with yolanda like they didn't i don't i don't uh, know yeah. if you have that information but maybe they didn't and that's yeah. what happened and they're well, like, happened oh. in the vehicle and i think that's probably why they were like oh this this had to be cleaned up like, yes yeah this is and especially with angela being a car upholster that was probably just like oh my gosh now i have to clean the car like what an inconvenience for him right like that's probably how he viewed it and that's probably why they proceed to yeah. take those counteractive measures going forward yeah, so um, that's a fun point about that, which is just awful to think about. Yeah. Yeah, so Judith's body was found the day after Halloween by a neighbor. He, um, he's noted as, like, getting up super early at, like, 4 a.m. to, like, run to, like, town and do some errands and come back by, like, 6 to, like, be with his family and start the day. But he had discovered her body off, like, the side of the road and was just, like, horrified, called police and everything. He actually, it's noted that, like, he... He obviously acted with, like, good intentions here because, like, it was, like, essentially a family neighborhood. Yeah. He shouldn't have done this. Yeah. But I understand why he did it because I feel like in the moment I'd probably do the same thing, but he did lay a tarp over her, mm -hmm. which did disturb the scene a tiny bit. Yeah. It was harder to find clear evidence. Like, it did con conceal some things and just, like, I don't know, start a different process. Keep in mind, it's very hot in California. So, like, mm -hmm. adding a tarp over something's going to, like, intensify the heat. To that thing underneath it mm -hmm. so it didn't really help that process but also totally understand why i feel it. like yeah i feel like i remember seeing something like about that in like a, whatever i have i've watched or yeah. like listened to about this case a long long time ago and just thinking like i i understand especially yeah. like back in the 70s when like oh, yeah. there was forensic technology but it wasn't like today where like you everyone today has seen an episode of CSI or like Criminal Minds where you're like, you know, like fingerprints yeah. and, and do DNA that. and all this stuff, right? But yeah. I, I feel like it's pretty understandable that he did that back then, especially just like for the reason that he did. Oh, yeah. I like that's what But I mean, of course, like, like from a forensic, a forensic standpoint, you're like, yeah, wish he didn't. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So her body was found with the same ligature marks. Mm -hmm. So this is when, I believe, this is when Frank Salerno comes into the equation and he's assessing the scene and he's like, that's very similar to what we saw just a few days ago mm -hmm. with Yolanda. Like, that's a very similar 
calling card, essentially. Like, it's yeah. rare that you would see a five point. You might see, like, a four point or, like, just around the neck. Like, it's it's rare that you would see all five. Mm-hmm. Frank Salerno's, like, the detective, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I saw him in the Nightcrawler documentary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I he's a big name. Him. I know. Yeah. And the, the, I'll... I'll get more into like his big name in part three and part four. I figured, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I just when you said his name, I was like, oh, yeah. Because like in in this episode, like I am kind of just going over the victims and how they had gone and just mm-hmm. the minor details we have in relation to the actual killings themselves. It's part three and part four where we're like, it's fucking cop time investigation. We're doing this. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's what's happening. So, also, I like lumping together the murders because then I get to selfishly just, like, get them out of my way mm-hmm. <laughs> where I don't have to, like, stew in them forever. And I think maybe you guys like that, too. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Someone will tell me. They'll be like, Becky, stop <laughs> rushing through everything. <laughs> so, November 5th, like, literally, I don't know how many days after. That's five days. Four days, actually, after mm-hmm. Judith Miller. Um, they followed home 21-year-old Lissa. Caston. That's Lissa, not Alyssa, by the yeah. way. Because I probably, I feel like I like slurred that. So Sometimes it, it, you just, when you're used to I'm saying, just so moist with my arms. <laughs> I think Alyssa is more common yeah. than Lissa. So yes. thank you for that clarification. Yes. So they followed her home. She drove a bright green bug, like Volkswagen bug. Mm-hmm. Um, they went up to her once she had parked like outside of her house. And they said that her car had actually been identified in a nearby crime. So they like flashed their badges and they were like, you know, your car was just reported fleeing the scene of like a crime just a few miles back. Like, we're going to need you to come with us. Um, She was noted as being like super hesitant at first, but given the times, it was not necessarily normal to argue with a cop. No. Like it would have been more understandable to just comply. Whereas, like, I feel like nowadays people are going to, like, argue with a cop any opportunity they get. You know what I mean? Yeah. But even still, I feel like... And also, like, I'm imagining... Again, not that it would be weird for the times. I'm imagining they're not in uniforms. Nope. They're, like, like, undercover. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... Yeah, I think today people would be a bit more suspicious of that. In in the sense of, like, oh, yeah, what would happen if I were to call the precinct and be, like, is... It's so agent so and so, so yeah. right uh, because you've heard stories like yes. that now but back then no i don't think no and it wasn't and, super and i don't blame anyone for just being like okay they're police officers like yeah, yeah i guess i'll go i have to go with them and like i we know that like yes other like serial rapists and killers around this time did use similar ruses like mm-hmm. the whole cop thing but it wasn't yet super common like, I think one of the only notable ones was Carl Chessman, like, Angelo's fucking absolute hero. He was someone who had used that. He, he had used, like, a light on top of his car and everything. Yeah. So, some people knew about that kind of ruse. Most didn't, though. So, it was normal for her to be a little bit hesitant, but also, like, she was probably just hesitant in the sense of, like, well, I didn't just leave a crime. So, like, this is obviously a mistake. This seems weird, yeah. You know, and it's, like you know when you've committed a crime or not. So, well, yeah. Yeah. She's obviously going to be like, no, I fucking didn't. Like, but they were very coercive about it. And we're like, well, we're cops. Like you have to come and answer our questions anyways, like whether you like it or not. So she eventually went, they told her that they were bringing her to like a satellite station to run their like reports, et cetera, et cetera. But they really just brought her back to Angelo's house and 
they said that this was a satellite station and it's like well it's, it's like obviously not it's just your house but okay so this is when they basically attacked her and handcuffed her and began their torture this time what they had learned from their previous two victims was something they had done with the two prior women was they would when removing their clothes they would take off the handcuffs because i they thought that was like the easy thing to do, take off the handcuffs and then just like remove the clothes, right? But what they learned very quickly was the women fight back. Mm-hmm. The second those handcuffs come off, they're yeah. fighting for their fucking lives, rightfully so. So this time, and this just horrifies me, it freaks me out, but they left the handcuffs on and just cut her clothes off. Ugh. Like, I get like the heebie-jeebies thinking of that. Like that's so like exposing having your hands like behind your back and just... Yeah. So so like violating yeah, and so yeah, something about it that just feels extra Yeah. So they both and like a lot of media outlets and like books and stuff, they either don't really talk about Lissa well, it's kind of just like, oh, she's there, but they particularly talk about Lissa like she's some disgusting troll. Like they literally talk about her as in like she's the ugly one out of like the group of women that they they being like angelo and kenny oh okay yeah like when they are interviewed after and all their notes like they talk about her like she's literally a pile of feces like it's very rude and i'm going to continue a little bit um she's but she's absolutely not so Mm -hmm. like she's perfection she's totally fine like there's no reason for that i think it's just more of like a how can we like fuck with her even more even post death. So, um, the one podcast I love, absolutely love called morbid. They do an extremely, extremely good job of going into her full history and giving her like the full, like honor that she deserves and giving her kind of more of like a, a better proper memorial than, than what we could. So I just want to like refer you guys to listen to their version because they go deep into Lissa's background and they okay. do a beautiful job talking about her. Like, beautiful job they go over like everything there's just so much so i just instead of stealing the information that they've clearly worked very hard to find go listen to that because mm-hmm. they it's like truly beautiful how they talk about her and her life it's fantastic she also sounds like a real real cool person mm-hmm. so angelo makes a comment about how he didn't want to rape lissa because her legs weren't shaven and he just thought that was simply gross and not up to his standards. So it's like, you guys are the ones that she chose her. Yeah, she didn't ask for this. No, like, and, and like, you, you picked her for a reason. Like, as horrifying as that sounds, you're the one that was like, yeah, her. Her. So if you're so appalled by this woman and your, your previous choices were going after women you were attracted to, why her then? Yeah. You know, that's the part where I'm just like, it doesn't really make that much sense to me. No, no, they're just fucking, they're just being fucking douchebags, like pieces of shit. So Kenny ended up being the one to sexually assault her and he had used a glass bottle. Like, I think it was like a beer bottle or something along those lines, which is just absolutely fucking horrifying. Um, when they had finished doing their strangulation, which what they would do was they would put a bag over the women's head with the ligature and they would actually for a little while, like allow some breath to like 
come to and whatnot. So it would take like about an hour or two each time they would do this because oh, it was God. just part of their torture. Yeah. So when they were finished with her, they just tossed her over a guardrail into a drainage ditch beside a golf course. Um, in, in the podcast that I just recommended, by the way, they do talk about a blog about Lissa. And I believe the person that wrote the blog is Andy Nicastro. So if you want to search that, you can do that as well. They go into a beautiful detail about Lissa. I just figured that do that everybody, <laughs> because she doesn't like deserve to be remembered as some gross woman with not good enough freshly shaven legs. Yeah. So, yeah. Only four days after this, they were ready to start again. So it wasn't like a very cooling off period between kills at all. Like yeah. literally for most of them, it was like four to five days. Mm -hmm. Which is very short. Yeah. Very, very short. Yeah. So Lissa's body was actually found November 6th. So the day after she was killed, um, her she was found nude on a highway embankment, like which was like over the thing. They did see the five point restraints and they noticed that there was like immediate signs of rape. So they knew they were like following the same person at this point. Mm -hmm. um, doo -doo -doo -doo. At this point though, they were still trying to identify Judith Miller. Like they, they had discovered her body, but there was no identification. They finally did though. And then they found that her family was living nearby in a motel. So they go and they talk to them and like deliver the news, showed a picture, asked, when was the last time you've seen your daughter? And they're like, oh, maybe like a month or so ago. I think there was two younger boys in the room with them. And then they were like, well, we believe that your daughter's been murdered and we'd like to ask you some questions. And I guess her family just did not give a flying fuck. Which is so sad. She was 15. Like, hearing that, I was just like, I can't even imagine. That's so sad. Like, to just not, to just not care at all. Like, yeah. like, some of these women just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Like, start caring about people more. Like, this is just fucking crazy to me. Why do we do this, Haley? Why do we do this to ourselves? Anyways, moving. It was at this point that Salerno was really starting to connect the murders because of the five point restraint and how close together that Judith Miller and Lissa Casson's bodies were discovered, like in proximity to one another, they were found only six miles apart from one another. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Yolanda's, I can't remember, but it was in the same general vicinity, but I don't think it was as close as six miles. So with Lissa Casson's body being found, this was when they realized that it might be more than one person doing the killings because they weren't able to find any drag marks near any of the bodies. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Which kind of indicated that it was either one like extremely strong person, which they were like, no, because I believe it was Lissa Casson that was tossed over a guardrail. Mm -hmm. Even a really strong person wouldn't be able to like, heave dead weight over like that far over and it was like a yeah. high enough thing where it was just like you'd have to like be literally the hulk to do mm -hmm. that so that's when they were kind of like this is more than one person would have had to yes at least dispose of the body yes so on november 9th jane king uh sorry jane king sorry i thought i wrote that down wrong. this is um 
when they came up with like the rules of like luring them in a little better. So they're starting to like narrow down how to abduct these women and get them to like voluntarily come with them. And I don't know. They started really, I guess, perfecting their routine. Yeah. As unfortunate as that, that sounds, they were like, this is. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's stuff they, yeah. they had practice at this point. Yeah. So they came up with this whole like elaborate ruse of, so Kenny's going to chat up Jane King at this bus stop. Like, they just picked her. They didn't know ahead of time this is Jane King. But so they see her and they're like, okay, what you're going to do is you're just going to like go and casually like get to know her a bit, a little bit like conversation, just like pretend you're also waiting for the bus. Mm-hmm. And then the plan was to have Angelo drive by, pull up and be like, oh, hey, Kenny, fancy seeing you here. Do you like, do you want to ride? Like, I'm just, I'm in the neighborhood and I can drop you off. And then Kenny would be like, oh, well, what about my friend? Like mm-hmm. she, she might need a ride too, so that she doesn't have to take the bus home. So they did that. And at first she was like, Oh, I don't know. That's okay. Like, I'll just take the bus. It's it's totally fine. But then both Kenny and Angelo flashed their police badges and were like, We don't really have to worry. Like, we're in the LAPD reserves. Like, we'll make sure you get home safe. It's better than taking the bus. Mm-hmm. So they didn't initially handcuff her, obviously, because She's just voluntarily going with them. And there are two officers that are being very nice guys and giving her a ride home. What they did do, do though, was they had her sit in between them in the car, mm-hmm. which is very weird. Yeah, that would make me immediately Super weird. I, I'm imagining it was probably, like, a little bit more spacious. Like, you know how, like, the older cars, like, it's, like, the bench seat? Well, yeah, yeah, I probably did have a bench seat. But, but it's still, still weird to be, like, here, yeah. go on in front of me. I would be, like, oh. I'd be, like, I'm going to get in the back. I'd either get in the back and be like, I'll sit on the side. That way, like, since you're dropping me off, I'll get out. You don't have to move. Yeah. But again, I mean, that's, that's if she was really just getting a ride home. So weird as fuck. So then they stopped at a store and they were like, oh, we're just going to run and grab some like smokes and stuff. Do you, do you need anything? Like, Mm -hmm. do do you want us to grab anything? So they went in, she stayed in the car. Yeah. She waited because there's, there really isn't anything to be like, why would she? Why would you be concerned? You're literally just getting like a nice ride home. Mm -hmm. At least at that point, like I, I, well, this is also like, yeah, you're getting a ride home from a stranger. This is also during a time when people would hitchhike and stuff like, Oh yeah. And she get rides from strangers all the time. Exactly. And like, she's noted, I didn't put it in my notes, but like talking about this is like, she was noted as like being someone who like always talked about how she like had a good feeling about people or how she could like tell if someone was a bad person and stuff. So like she probably did trust her gut and think like, these are two officers. Like I hitchhike often. I've turned down rides before. This seems legit. Like they probably did a very convincing job. Oh, I'm sure they did. To be able to get someone who does have good intuition to go with them. Like they probably did a very convincing job. So they go in to get their smokes and stuff. And while they were in there, they chatted about how they were going to do the actual plan. Like, how are we going to do this? Like we've got her in the car. What's our next move? Like, so they discussed what they were going to do. So they get back in the car and they were like, oh, we have like this like important stop to do. Like, do you mind if we make a stop somewhere before we drop you off? It's just really urgent, whatever. And she was like really flexible. She went along with it and she was like, I'm just super appreciative. Like, I'm just glad to have a ride. Like you guys are doing a solid. So don't, don't worry about it. I don't think the stop ever happened though. They just talked about it. So they're driving around and then they finally do decide to drive her home. So she like gives directions. They're literally going to her house. Like they're on route. She's like, this is the route to my house. 
they pull into her driveway. She's like, okay, perfect. Thanks so much, guys. Like, I'm about to be exiting this vehicle to get dropped off. I'm looking at my house right now. This is when Angela and Kenny look behind her head to one another and nod and like signal to each other that like time to do our thing. And they both at that exact moment grabbed her arms and held her in place. So she couldn't get out of the vehicle. She immediately started fighting like crazy. So they instantly handcuffed her at this point, reversed out of there and headed back to Angelo's house. I don't understand. Like, what's the point in bringing her to her house? Like, torture. It's just torture. Mental torture. Like, psychological. Yeah. I think, I think that is definitely the biggest part for them is like, there is. It seems risky to me too, though. Right. Like, unless she lives in the middle of nowhere. I believe from, I remember reading somewhere that I think she lived with some type of family member. I don't know if it was mom or dad or like a sibling of some sort, but I don't think she lived alone. And that's what I mean. But even if she did live alone and she had neighbors, like the odds of someone looking out their window yeah. or being sitting out on their front porch and then like she goes missing, she's found dead. And someone be like, well, I saw like a brown, whatever, in the like car or whatever color their car was. But like, yeah. it just seems risky to me to be like seen in her neighborhood in her driveway. Right. Like it feels like such. But maybe that's the, maybe that's the ego. I, I totally like think swelling, so because at you know? this point they're like, we've now gotten away with it. What? Three times. Yeah. This is the, th- yeah, this is the third. And it's like, so yeah, they are starting to get cocky about it. Mm-hmm. And this is like, they're trying to play with, I don't know how they want to do things, how mm-hmm. they want to achieve their end goal. So once inside Angelo's house, they do the exact same thing that they've done with the previous women so far with like the blindfold using surprise car upholstery stuffing mm-hmm. taped around their eyes and gagging them and put all they put all of the women on Angelo's one brown vinyl chair this is the chair that I just previously mentioned that I was like we'll get to and you'll see it in a lot of documentaries too if you choose to like go forward and watch stuff like it's just like this like regular gross shiny looking vinyl chair that you'd see in like your granddad's house or something <laughs> like yeah. it's just like yeah so they made her stand up at one point and cut her clothes off using scissors that they had like learned from the previous woman that this worked a lot better to just cut them off instead of fighting with the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just think that's like the scariest thing. I don't know what it is about that. That just like irks me. Mm-hmm. So this is where Jane expresses like vocally how, even though she's tied up and basically just like at their whimsy, she expresses how she's not going to like, pretend to like this or pretend to not be absolutely disgusted by this. So she like is vocalizing this, like you guys are disgusting. I'm not going to pretend to enjoy this just for your pleasure. Like stuff like that. She's like, she's talking back. Like she's doing everything in her power. Um, so then Angelo's like, well, we're not going to deal with this. Like she's being ridiculous. So he goes and gets some twine and hog ties her. This is her way of being punished for what she's saying to them because she's the one that's in the wrong here for sure when they were finished with her um they did strangle her and use the five point ligature mark um they drove her to the lost Feliz off-ramp and dumped her body there just like off on the side of the highway so now they've decided that 
they want somebody younger. Since this last one, which I don't know if I had mentioned it, but Jane King was 28. And so, yeah, Lissa was 21 and Judith Miller was 15 and then Yolanda was 19. So they've already had like quite a varying range of ages. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, oh, this one went super successfully. So now let's go for like our target age, which is younger, I guess, in their eyes. They're like, oh, this is so much better. Um, so the next one is super rough. I'm going to probably blow through this as fast as humanly possible that's, because uh, that's okay with me no, perfect good yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're okay with that because not only is it awful but it's a double murder oh fuck okay and these are literal children yeah so on november 14th was which was just four days after jane king 14 mm -hmm. year old sonia oh my god i didn't write down sonia johnson 14 and 12 year old Dolly Cepeda. Mm. Um, her full name was Dolores, but she went by Dolly. So we're going to be calling her Dolly. Angelo and Kenny saw them board a bus, followed the bus, waited for them to exit the bus afterwards. And then they used their cop badges, went up to the girls and said to them, you know, there's an armed robber in the area and you guys look really young. It would, be a lot safer, safer if we just helped you get home. These girls, of course, yeah. were like, that seems like a good idea. Yeah, thank you. And they're children. So the families of Sonia and Dolly went into like immediate panic mode because they also weren't the type of young girls to like not show up on curfew. Like mm -hmm. they were, they were great young girls, like with bright futures ahead of them. So they were like, where the fuck are our daughters? Like, immediate panic yeah um they instantly like reported them missing the entire neighborhood went out searching for them one of their schools in the neighborhood actually set up like a, a search headquarters where people would like report back after searching different like quadrants of the neighborhood everyone was on like full alert looking for these girls like it was fucking go time for them yeah. they also didn't initially think oh they might be victims of the hillside stranglers because they're babies. Like you wouldn't jump to that. You'd think like, no, I think that I think they would be a bit too young mm -hmm. for people to assume that they're fitting within that victimology yeah, type. Exactly. So again, only a few days after they had um, like disposed of Sonia and Dolly, they were ready to go again. I obviously I didn't want to go into too much details about what they did with them because they're children and but yeah, they did the same horrific routine with them, just two this time. Which, yeah, it's just, it's awful that, I don't know, to think about, like, two young girls who had to witness one of their best friends die in such a, tr like, traumatic way. Like, that's just, how do you even do this to children or anybody? Like, I know. It's fucking crazy. Like, th this is why I want to, like, study human behavior, because, like, I need to know what makes this happen. I, I know. I think that's uh, been a point of fascination for many people, because yeah. it's so, it just is so deviant. It, it is. is so abnormal. Yeah. Um, it, and it truly is. Like, the average person does not ha even have these no. thoughts going through their head, no. let alone acting on them. So it's yeah. just one of those things where it's like, what are these aberrations of humanity? Like, yeah. how did that happen? 
how did and we get how there? can we prevent it? Of course, is yeah, what the research that's is trying to do. Exactly. I don't know if there's an answer to that, but obviously, the more we know, maybe the more people, you know, hopefully people can spot this stuff. But that's, it's just it's that's hard, the hope, right? Yeah, it's just I don't get it. Yeah, that's why I'm interested because people always be like, "Why do you do this?" Then and it's like because it's not so much that like the stories that are interesting to me because they're fucked like. I would love to like know about this stuff without knowing the graphic details or reading some of the things we've read where it's just like how a killer talks to a victim on their like final breaths. Like it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But I need to know how does what appears to be a normal human being from like a neighbor's perspective turn into this? Yeah. Or how, how are these people like so many of them just operate as regular human beings in jobs and have friends and have like, girlfriends and stuff that like wives family sometimes exactly and it's like how does that happen like i don't get it so (laughs) i don't either yeah so now news about like the killings up until this point especially with sonia and dolly it's now starting to hit the media like really really big like before it was just like oh no they're killing and now they're like piecing it together like this is a serial killer killers they didn't really release initially that it was multiple yeah what they did do which is good was they kept a lot of especially a lot of the upcoming points that we'll get to close to the chest like they didn't really publicize certain things like they initially didn't actually release that there was a five point ligature mark yeah because it's it's whole back evidence yes right yeah which actually we're going to talk about in my next case yes yeah so yes. that's a very important point is that yeah. there's a reason for doing that of course oh yeah there's a huge reason so yeah. yeah and obviously in this case in most cases they do it so that when they do interviews they know who's lying who's telling the truth who yeah. would have actually done it etc yeah so at this point now they're ready to head out again um they head out to sunset boulevard but because the media had like really really blown up the news about everything the media had figured out where the women and kids were being abducted so as soon as they got to sunset boulevard to do their usual route and finding people it was swarming with police like swarming with police and like undercover detectives like they were out looking for like anybody or any like persons multiple that looked suspicious talking to women like yeah anything like that so they turned around and they were like you know what let's just find somebody we know instead because obviously we can't access sunset boulevard anymore to do our usual plan so i think this is when they start making mistakes yeah they their plans technically like they get smarter and stupider at the same time if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think in them finding somebody they know, that was stupid. But something they do with this person, which I'm going to get into, is also smart because it throws off the police. Right. So it's like, it's it's one of those situations where it's just like, fuck, like they were so smart and so stupid. But this, is, this is what we talk about when, when um, you know, we read things about how like serial killers or serial offenders like evolve. Right. Yeah. Like, like they, they learn, they learn from mm-hmm. past mistakes. They try out new things, trial and error, like sometimes experiment with victimologies. That's why like the common yeah. misconception is that they do the exact same thing every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them don't. And so this is an example of yeah. like them changing, changing it up exactly because of some sort of cause, which is the police are swarming. Yeah. So um, 
Kenny ends up suggesting someone he used to live in his old apartment complex. Um, this is actually a woman who had rejected one of his like multiple advances when he was single. Um, I thought you were going to say one of his multiple proposals. Basically. But, you know. I mean, honestly, like I wouldn't even be shocked if he did propose. To he her probably didn't like, just get down when he was like, will you go to dinner with me and marry me? And if you want. Yeah. Like, my I'm children. so fucking desperate and such a loser. So, <laughs> but obviously she was like, you're gross. She didn't say that, but I'm hoping she did. <laughs> I hope she I, did the way that you did it. The like, arms and the shoulders. <laughs> you're gross. <laughs> but she said no. She rejected him. Obviously, this didn't really fare well in her favor. But again, I still stand by. You should be allowed to say no to people at all times without having to pay the consequences later. Also, this is one of those things for me where when any kind of man or person is like, well, did she say no? It's like, yeah, sometimes even if you say no, though, you don't really have a choice. So this yeah. is just like one of those times. Because like there are people that will be like, oh, like she should have just said no or whatever. And it's just like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. It, yeah, it, you're dumb, though. It doesn't fucking, it doesn't matter, fucking what matter what you say. Yeah. It could even be years later. Your no might still have an impact. Like, yeah. that's the scary part about our society is Absolutely. like some, I'm going to say men. I know women aren't you know, necessarily innocent in this either, but like mainly men don't take no's very lightly. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, like what can we start doing differently so that you, they really fucking get the point to leave us alone? You know, like, so anyways, she says no to him. And this person was 20 year old, Christina Weckler. She was still living in the same apartment building. Um, Kenny had called to find out first and just like I guess said some like profane things on the phone and then hung up kind of like a like a crank call just like okay. boobies and then hung up and was just like a gross piece of shit obviously so because she answered and was like recognized her voice and stuff he was like yeah she's still there let's go so on November 19th they show up at Christina's um, apartment and Kenny knocks on the door flashes his police badge and was like Oh, remember me? Like, I'm part of the LAPD reserves now. I'm a cop and all this, like, fun stuff. And she's like, okay, cool. Hi, what's up? Like, how may I help you? It's also, like, late at night, too. So she's even more so, like, yeah. what are you doing here? Yeah. So he's like, I was just patrolling the area, and I saw that somebody had hit your car, and I, like, recognized it. So I figured I'd come help you fill out the accident report so that you could get, like, the best insurance payout from this accident since I'm a cop and I can help you. And she's like, okay, sure. So she like goes downstairs to like see what's wrong with her car. And this is where they abduct her and put her in the car and bring her to Angelo's. So with Christina, they wanted to spice things up a little bit. Also partially to help throw off the police, but also to experiment a little bit more. So... The first thing they had done differently was Angelo got a syringe that he had filled with Windex, like cleaning products. What? Okay. Yep. Oh, if that just shocked you, then I'm not going to like what's happening next. That just wasn't what I was expecting you to say. I know. And it also wasn't expect, like when I was first like listening to podcasts about this, doing my research, I was just like, really? Like that feels like very like, I don't even know who to compare it to. It feels almost like Dexter, you know? It's just like, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It just feels like a whole different, like, level of violation. Well, it also feels very, 
I don't know what they, obviously you're going to tell me what they're going to do with this Windex, but it just feels very like we didn't have anything else. So we had to use Windex. Yeah. Like we didn't have drugs or anything or some sort yeah. of liquid. I don't know. I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, I, I don't know what thing. they're doing with it, but I'm just like, it just to me sounds like he's like, oh, grab the Windex. Well, you know what's funny though is, is like, yeah, that's how it feels. It feels very scattered, but something I haven't really mentioned too much is like, Angela was extremely organized mm-hmm. in the sense of like, he would have things ready. Yeah. Like he'd have the, the like ropes and everything. And like that doesn't out. surprise me based on what you said about like yeah. him keeping his place very clean and orderly. And, and they like, kept learning like, okay, yeah. so now we know to use these handcuffs. We tie at this point. Like, mm-hmm. so they were learning things. So like, you're right. The Windex part feels very like chaotic and like afterthought. Yeah. This whole ordeal that I'm about to get into feels very afterthought. I don't think the goal with the Windex was to kill. I think it was to see what would happen. And if she died, they were kind of like, well, we were going to kill her anyways. Yeah. But I think the goal was just to see, like, how badly it could fuck her up. Which it did. Like, it, it definitely had serious effects on her that, like, was very obvious. But it didn't, it did not kill her. So, so they did use it? They injected it into her neck and her upper arm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. This just seems so bizarre. So when that, like, didn't kill her, they were like, well, we can continue on with our usual methods. They began doing their usual strangling they would take turns like holding down the legs and doing the like slacking of the like cord and everything letting them come to i don't know i don't know why they did that for so long but they do talk about it in a lot of documentaries where they would do it for about an hour which like honestly it's like i mean they're probably just getting off on it that's that's the thing they did it for so long i think they're they're drawing out their like the pleasure that they're deriving from doing that Mm mm-hmm which is so, yeah, fucked up. Like it's obvious. It's obvious that it's fucked up. It's just yeah. That's that's the really the only explanation for dragging it out that long. Yeah, is because they're truly enjoying it. Yeah. So while they're doing the on and off strangling like they normally do, um, Angelo was like, "Stop! I have such a great idea. This part's fucked. This part, like, I don't know why. It just it almost bugged me more than the Windex. So." just warning everybody um they what they had done was they propped her up against this like pipe that was exposed in the kitchen that was like to be fitted to like a gas stove in angelo's house like it was like under renovation whatever um so they had then put the bag around her head and tied it to the pipe and kept turning on and off the valve that released gas and just did that for as long as possible. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. In later interviews, Kenny admits that this whole pipe ordeal took well over an hour to eventually end her life. That's that's not a smooth way to go. No. Like gas in- inhalation like that, like after you've just no, been strangled I mean, for an hour, yeah, you just have Windex injected into you, like... Oh. You were violently raped. Like, it just fucked. Like, this is what I mean by, like, I need to understand where not only one mind goes to this place, but two minds. And they're like, whoa, that's a great idea. Like, they just discovered gravity or something. Like, that's what I don't understand is, like, how does that happen? Like, I need to know. I yeah. need to know. I know you're not going to tell me. Right no, now. no, 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 of course. But there is definitely some sort of disassociation between, like, the, like 
like people like that and the way they look at other human beings because like you just don't like me and you it's so it's just it's in, embedded in our human nature to never ever treat somebody like that yeah any living thing at all yeah um so there's there's got to be some sort of cutoff in in the brain that's just like doesn't that you know what yeah. I'm saying that results in people treating other people like they're not people yeah like they're a thing that's that's but my thing too is like I don't even treat things like that I don't but I'm saying like I mean like I couldn't like even, the way that like uh you know like the way like an adolescent kid is like I'm gonna play with fire and burn things and see how they yeah. melt in, in weird ways you know what I'm saying and see, like that's they're the looking like, at humans like that that they're like that's, so what if I yeah, stick this right. in her what if I inject her with this what if I put gas up the like you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, that's what it feels like. It feels like a juvenile experimentation. It's just, but you're using a human being to do that. Yeah. So that's what I mean is like, there's, there's some sort of like, there's gotta be some sort of disassociation in the brain as far as like, they're, that's the same thing to them. Yeah. That spoon that someone's trying to melt is the same thing as that person that yeah. they're torturing. It just seems. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's like, it's weird because like, okay, for like the fire burning thing, like, yeah, I used to do that. Like, I know. That's what I mean. Like, there's like, like so do. many people I know that were like, yeah, I used to like burn yeah. different things and see how they all melted or throw things in the but, fire and like see what will spark up. That's like normal. Fairly normal. But then I also, I had this thing. I still have it. Like, stuffed animals. I don't know if you had this. I couldn't even put my stuffed animals in bags without inserting straws into the bags. Oh, Becky, like so they could breathe. Yeah, that's so cute. And I also like I wouldn't throw any of them out because I felt like they would like remember and then like come and haunt me after because like I got rid of them. So like it would be like there was like an understanding for a while with my parents where like as I was getting older, I was like, when I go to school today, if you need to do what you need to do, do it. I just can't know about it. Aww. And like that's how like a lot of my I stuffed did. animals. Like, I did have a lot of stuffed animals. I do remember that. I, I don't remember maybe like the thought process of. Like, not, I didn't want to get rid of them either. Yeah. But I don't remember it being because of that, but maybe yeah. subconsciously there was some sort of, like, guilt there. Yeah. In that way, I, I do get that. Which is weird. And that's just like, also really sweet. Because, I'm, like, they're stuffed you know animals. You know what's so sweet, though? And you were like, that's so... I like that with stuffed animals and animals, but, like, with a person, I'd be like, yeah, they can go. Just take them. <laughs> just take them. Yeah, the difference with you is that like, <laughs> you don't want that person to be harmed. Oh, yeah, that's true. Or, like, be like, oh, like, I'm on fire first. You just exit my life, and that's yeah. fine. And that's great. <laughs> See ya, never. <laughs> you fucking loser. <laughs> stick a straw in the bag. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, I just, that's my thing is like, I just don't get how it goes from being this like innocent experimentation to like watching somebody beg for their life and still not like hearing the words and having them at all penetrate your head. No, I know. That's where I'm like, I could get it if maybe they said nothing. Mm -hmm. Where they, if I would, you know what? I could sooner understand like doing this level of torture to somebody like unconscious because it's like you, you're not looking at them. And they're not fighting back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I could sooner be like, okay, I might see why you experimented so much. Well, because it's almost like a dead There's body. There's no resistance. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, but when someone's alive and they're fighting like this, because like they all fought, all of these women fought, like yeah. none of them just rolled over and took it. Like they all went out with like fighting tooth and nail, like the strong women that they are and were. So it's just like, that's where I'm like, I don't understand how you could like, not only see somebody physically fighting for their life, but also being like, please stop this yeah. and like not have it register. I think it's, I think it's the, the power that yeah. you're, yeah, that yeah. these people seek, right? That it's like, oh, there is this person that's like, my, yeah. their life is in my hands 
and they're oh, asking yeah. me and to I'm do something, God. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like these, these people, but even then, a I lot of like, these offenders do think that they're God, right? They're like, yeah. I get to decide whether you live or die. But then, so my thing with that, because like that makes the most, most humanly possible sense to me. But my thing would be like, okay, I've allowed you to live. Like, that's what I feel like. If like, I have a God complex, yeah. I'd be like, you get to live now. And then like, let them go. Just like yeah. let them go, maybe. And <laughs> maybe may, I, I, I know we I'm want trying that to, to justify happen. it. We want that to happen, but from their perspective, they're like, "Yeah, but if I let this person go, then I'm gonna get. I won't be able to do yes. this again." Okay. And I like doing this because, again, they get off on the power. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, it's see. It's, sometimes I forget about that. It's fucked. It's, it's just like it's, it's such a it's such it's a right vicious fucked. cycle. Yeah. Like it's just like how do we fucking penetrate these people's minds I think and stop them? I think the scary part is that we see traits like this in everyday people oh yeah there are everyday people that get off on having power over oh, yeah. other people without torturing and killing them and that's yeah. the scary part is that a lot of the reasons why they do the line. things that they do regular people have those qualities in yes. them too it feels like it's so close just with one weird sick twist and then yeah. it results in this and yeah. that's why people study this it seems so close like because it's such a one, fine line one change and maybe it could have been this like yeah. one change in childhood one yeah. better parent one this one yeah. that it's and they could like have been a regular thing. person yeah and and they turned out this way and i think yeah. that's why we're so obsessed with it because we're like could i have turned out this way i don't see sometimes like we've talked about like me with like my road rage for example where it's just like yeah like certain times where i'm just like what could have gone differently in my life that would have been the thing where I like become a killer like yeah. because it feels like a fine line One where I'm like screaming at like Russell Crowe yeah <laughs> okay so my dad was telling me about that movie like two years yeah two years ago we like went for breakfast and he was yeah. just like I watched this movie called Unhinged and it is crazy and he was like he's just going for a drive and he was like mind blown at the idea I was like yeah that sounds like me driving to London like I was like I don't know you're describing my daily drive like I don't know what's happening <laughs> and he was just like oh shut up <laughs> but it's just like it's so yeah like I don't yeah I it was know. so scary after I watched that movie. I didn't like to it. um no the movie itself wasn't scary but like <laughs> because it literally does just start with like uh, like she honks at him and that's it okay because he's like out of I think it's I, if I'm remembering I think the light turns green he's just sitting there and she's honking at him okay. like go and she's in the right yeah and, and then, and then she's then just he's like, like oh, you know what and I think I remember the first time after I honked at someone after I watched that movie, I was like, <gasps> like I honk, like, cause I don't honk at fucking oh, everybody, but oh, no, no. <laughs> if, if someone's doing something wrong, I will honk. Oh yeah. That's what the horn is for. But I did it. And it was just like a reflex. Cause I'm like, that person's an idiot honk. And then I was like, PTSD oh. from watching unhinged. <laughs> just drive straight home. <laughs> <I'm> crying. <laughs> all it's like me. You've honked at. I'm like, a follower. <laughs> so basically don't ever honk at me. Okay. <laughs> everyone's like okay we're gonna find her vehicle and start fucking with me on the roads actually that's a bad idea don't do that don't anybody don't. i don't think you know what Becky? i don't know if anybody listening thought to do that <laughs> only me would think of that <laughs> only i <laughs> all right let's get back to this awful case even though i know we would much rather just go on tangents about my road rage I that's know, so much more feel fun safer yeah you know what's hilarious <laughs> here i'll tell a fun anecdote about my knit trip you know how I came in and the first thing you were like, oh, how was your trip? And I was like, oh, it was great. Like, you know, I cooked and like the girls did the dishes after. It was fantastic. Another thing that, that Maura did for me, which is she didn't even say it until like after, but she, she joked. It was a joke. She she drove everywhere. She drove everywhere we went. She was like, oh, my car's closest to like 
because like Mary arrived first and then I arrived. So I was kind of like, me and Mary were both like parked in kind of thing. So more, I was just like, I'll drive. No, no worries. I got this. And then, so we're like doing our driving and stuff. And then like hours later, she was like, plus you talk about your road rage so often. I wouldn't want you driving anyways. <laughs> and I was like, ah, nah, yes. Uh, Nora, <laughs> yes. Smart. Yes. <laughs> yes. She came very prepared. <laughs> so it was good. Mary did get like five minutes of driving with me though. And Luckily, nothing happened. It was. It was I will drive. say, as someone who's been in the she car was hanging like, on <laughs> many, many times, like I've never experienced your road rage. To be completely honest, I've experienced okay. like, oh, where you're like that person's a fucking idiot. But yes. like, I mean, I do that in yeah. the car. I will like scream at people. I definitely. While I'm in the car sometimes. I definitely, especially if there's people in the car. I'm especially now. I feel like I'm way more aware of it. Like I'm trying to get better with it. I really, <laughs> really am. Because like when I'm alone, I'm like. I'm unhinged. <laughs> like it's a different human being. It's not even me driving anymore. <laughs> it's my alter ego. Um, but like, yeah, I'm trying to be more aware of it. And especially here's, here's the safest time. I know I've said it to you. The safest time to be in a vehicle with me is when Oscar's in the car. I will drive like an 80 year old who has good vision, but I drive like <laughs> hazards on <laughs> slow motion. If Oscar's in that car, you know, I'm not doing any kind of crazy driving. I know I've said this before. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, though. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But yeah, so I try to dial back the road rage when people are in the car with me. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to clarify for people that are saying <laughs> that I'm like, I've been in the car with you like a thousand times. Yes. And you know I'm what? I'm a good driver. I just, I know we make jokes about it. Yes. But <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's like, what, I think when we talk about my road rage, people assume I'm a bad driver because of it. No, no, but he's a very good I'm driver. I'm actually a very good driver. I think that's why you have road rage. I thought it's such a good driver. And, and then not everyone people, else on the road sucks. Well, everyone else, yes. I will, I'll like literally go out and like, strike against bad drivers like by myself <laughs> i will do this becky against bad drivers <laughs> oh my god yes babbed. babbed it's happening i'm starting i'm starting a whole protest um but yeah like i just i think everybody like not everybody because obviously like you're a good driver i know good drivers but like the majority of public sucks at driving i know i'm not perfect either but like come the fuck on guys Let's get back to this case yeah, before, because yeah, this will yeah. turn into me talking. We could, about, we could do a whole bonus episode honestly, on how bad people are at driving. Trust hey, me, I'm so, so bad. Man, I've got lists in my head of things that I see people yes, do every day. Let's where I'm do like, this. You're stupid. I feel like yeah, we should do this because like I've had it where I'm like, I just want to do like a live on my like Instagram account and just be like, this is what you're all doing wrong, and <laughs> just like really come down on everybody. <laughs> you're all grounded. <laughs> so let's get back into this. It's been 20 minutes of this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, okay, so where? Oh, my goodness. So we, yes, we were just talking about Christina Weckler and her ultimate demise, which was an awful, awful way to go. So, oops, hang on here. I've lost my spot. I just scrolled around so much while, bear with me, guys. You know what? Get Keep talking about road rage while I look for my sound. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, you know, I'm just gonna sing a little song, do a little dance. Sing a little song. <laughs> I'm almost at my spot. <laughs> okay, so it's November 20th. Yes. All right, so November 20th, 1977 is when everything happened with Christina Weckler. Her body was actually found technically like within the same day. Okay. Um, so when she was found, um, the same day from when they took her? Yeah, I think it was just like the way, like it was like after midnight or something. Like, oh, so she I was see. found okay, like yeah, that yeah. same day. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when her body was discovered, 
um, Detective Grogan, we'll get into him too. Um, he was one of the like first detectives to go through Christina's like home and belongings, mm-hmm. um, which is also a very hard job for any kind of det- like detective to have to do. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like that would be like the saddest part of yeah, like, an investigation. So I, I just want to talk about this part because it's, it's just like, it shows you a lot of like her character and like the type of person Christina Weckler was because I feel like not enough people are like this. You just sound so like innocent and pure. So it's just like, I just want to talk about it. So he noted that Christina was very much like a forward thinker, like a forward planner. She had her pajamas laid out like for the night, like perfectly folded on her bed. Mm-hmm. She had her clothes for the next day laid out on her dresser, picked for the next day, like everything she was going to wear. Everything was like tidy and organized and like personal. Like it didn't look just like basic, like decorations. It was like this place just like oozed her personality. You know, you know, when someone just like decorates with like their heart and they're like, yeah, everything's going to be everything green. Cause it's my yeah. favorite color. Like it's everything means something. everything's yeah. So um he saw like this big drafting table which was like fully stocked with all kinds of different art supplies that she and she was like an extremely talented artist and writer just like a very creative person all around the reason why i'm going deeper into her too is because there was more information readily available i'm not trying to just like skip over certain people or anything it's just like i'm just giving the information i was able but so yeah he like noted that she was like extremely organized and like had all this like art just everywhere Detective Grogan had also found a journal from Christina Weckler that was, like, filled with drawings and, like, different, like, writings and everything. All of her, like, emotions were in it. It was, like, a personal diary, but it was, like, half art, half journal entry. Like, it was just so personal. He sat down and read the entire thing that day and, like, went through all of it. And it was literally just, like details about all of her friends and family and who she loved the most in the world fun stories like little anecdotes about her life and just like very much her own little personal memoir basically yeah Yeah. like he said it was one of the most like beautiful things that he like read from a victim where it was just like there wasn't any kind of like oh this weird guy followed me today it wasn't anything like that it was all just like very happy memories from like her life very positive so there, since there wasn't anything that like alluded to evidence, he kept it out from evidence. Mm. He kept it aside because he didn't want it to be like displayed for the world. Yeah. He probably shouldn't have done this. And he even talks about this in the one do- documentary. He's like, I know I was like, well, outside of my like rights to do that. Like I should not have, I should have turned it in with evidence, but he had like a better idea for it. So he kept it out of evidence he, when Christina's father had eventually come to identify her, he had taken him out for like some drinks. They sat down and he was like, I have to hang on to this until like after investigation's done and we like conclude everything. But I would just wanted to share this with you for now. And as soon as like trial or everything is like concluded, this is yours. And I would like you guys to just have this. Yeah. So they sat down over drinks and just like went over every detail of like the journal. And I guess it was like, just like such a bonding experience for the both of them. Like that would, that would be so special for like a parent to go through after getting the worst news of their life. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So it's just, yeah. So Christina's father later goes on to write, um, like property of Christina Weckler, like on every single page, like copywriting 
every page that her work could never be stolen. Like it's just, it's hers. Wow. So that's just, it's so, it's just so beautiful, you know, like that, like that was able to happen. You know what I mean? It was just mm -hmm. like, that's just like a really nice way to have her memory honored. Yeah. Especially absolutely. for the family. So yeah, yeah I just wanted to show I'm glad, that. I'm glad that her family got it. Yeah. You know, as much as obviously this detective is like, I know I shouldn't have done this, yes. but like, I think anybody listening is like, I'm glad that it's in the yeah. hands of her family. Yeah. He did note like to Christina's father that like, if a friend or anybody at all says, oh, I think Christina had a journal and she talked about a boyfriend in there or something, then he'd have to turn it over to evidence. Like if it gets mentioned by somebody as part of the investigation, he would have turned it in. But he was like, until that point, I'm just going to not yeah, keep aside. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that's awesome. So on November 20th, this is when they had discovered three bodies, one being Christina Weckler. Um, hers was the first discovered. And then at 4 p.m. that same day, a little boy was playing in this, like, I don't know, everyone calls it, like, a trash heap, like, this, like, garbage area, like, that was just, like, had, like, it wasn't, like, a junkyard. It was just, like, kind of like a secret dumping zone near, I want to say Dodger Stadium. I think I wrote down the location wrong. Um it's okay. The location's not the most important part of this, but, um, he was playing there because I guess it was noted, like, he's like a young boy, like very little. Um, he like, I guess would search these like garbage piles for like treasures and stuff. Like he was like playing like a little kid. Um, and then he saw what he thought was two mannequin legs. So he got closer and realized it was two bodies and they were like covered in like bugs and like heavily decomposing. So he rushed back and I think he told his older brother. And when the police and investigators got there, it was the bodies of Dolly and Sonia. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. So then they had gone and identified like the bodies and everything and talked to the families and the schools. And, um, there was actually like a boy that was in the girls class that was on the same bus as them mm -hmm. because like the investigators went and talked to families, like people at the school and like a, a little boy had come forward and was like, Oh, I saw them on the bus. Like yeah. this night that you guys are talking about. Yeah, of course. He said that he saw them get off and that he saw the girls like leave the bus and like basically like step right off and that they were talking to two men in a car. And that was the last thing mm -hmm. that he had seen. He couldn't identify the, the men but he said it was definitely two men and they were just like right off there. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, we know for sure. We already knew we were looking for two guys, but this kind of like even more solidifies it. Yeah. Yeah. So the very next day, Jane King's body was discovered a whole 15 days after she was killed, which is like the longest stint because most of them were either found like, most of them were found like the day after. Yeah. But other than that, I think the longest one was like two days. Yeah. That's a long time. 15 days in the heat of California. Very, very quickly decomposing. Like not, not a good situation for forensics to go and get any kind of accurate information. So it's around this time too, that we need to be reminded that Kelly is still pregnant. Oh. Yeah. Kenny's girlfriend. 
Yeah. She's still pregnant and they're still technically living together. I completely forgot about I that. I know you did. I know everyone did. <laughs> she's still there. She's still in the and, picture. Yeah, and I and you're right. I think I forgot that he moved out with Kelly. Like I think I was thinking he was still living with Angelo at this yeah. point, but no. No. Yikes. Yeah. So they're still together. They fight constantly though. Like it's, it is noted that their relationship was like by no means a healthy one. Right. Um, like they would just fight often. She would leave for days to be like, Hey, you need to cool off. I'll come back when you're like not being a crazy person. Um, and then she'd come back and he would just like love bomb her with like poems and flowers, you know, the typical abusive cycle. relationship cycle. Yeah. yeah. So where it's just like, oh, I just treated you like shit. Come back. I apologize. Promising I'll get better, et cetera, et cetera. But this time, this fight specifically had escalated so much that Kenny actually punched Kelly, a pregnant woman, his girlfriend, in the face. Gosh. And so she was like, last straw. Mm -hmm. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. And it's noted that this was, in fact, her official last time of leaving and not going back. So that's, that's our update on Kelly. Just come back a little bit later, more so in part three and four. But for now, that's just my little update on where Kelly's at. Right. So now, now Kenny's alone again mm -hmm. in his apartment. I literally have here, add note, but I'll just say it. So now this is about Thanksgiving time, roughly. And they're just going to have like a regular Thanksgiving dinner at um, Angelo's like mom's house i believe who angelo like did not care for his mom at all like i didn't go too much into that and like the background because like it's bad but like i just wanted to get like the important facts out about like him more so but like he literally would like refer to his mom as that cunt and stuff like oh my he gosh, literally wow. just like had zero respect for her like that bitch and like all this stuff like i i might go into it a little bit more Maybe in part three, I could add some things that I left out in his background. But, like, there is definitely, like, reasons why he feels this way towards her. Like, he, in okay. his mind, these are reasons why he would feel this way to her. It, with us, it's like, well, you could just, like, not like her. You don't need to be, a, like, an outright fucking asshole. Yeah. But he still shows up for Thanksgiving dinner and stuff. Okay. So, one of his kids, one of his eight bajillion kids was there. A daughter. I'm not saying any names. Um, but... He was like, oh, you really got to be careful out there. Like, you got to look out for those hillside stranglers. Like, it's all over the news. Like, if you ever need a ride, let me know. Because I don't want them to get you. Why? Why even say something like that? So, yeah. Yeah. Ew, so weird. <laughs> right? So, yeah, I just felt like that was, like, something to add in. That he, like, felt the need to be like, you better look out. <laughs> They're out there lurking. And it's just like, yeah, it's you, though. <laughs> like it's you imagine being that daughter and like finding out after being that like made this sick oh comment. why did he like, say this like yeah. that's fucked <laughs> so now it's november 28th just shortly after thanksgiving of 1977 and they went out again looking for another victim because you know they think they're getting so good at it and they've like finally in their eyes perfected the whole routine which like they kind of have like they haven't really been caught on to yet no, there would be no reason for them to think that. Even yeah. if there, I mean, there obviously is an investigation going on, but yes. which w there's we'll no get into it. Like right now, in their minds, 
they're the only thing that was figured out is where they were getting their victims from. Exactly. From their perspective. Yeah, from their perspective. That's exactly it. Part three, part four. Mm-hmm. Shit's gonna turn. We know. <laughs> we know. Um, so yeah, they're like, oh, we're so good at this. Let's just go out and like hunt again because we're so fucking perfect. So they finally come across Lauren Wagner. Um, she was an 18-year-old student. Um, she was standing outside of a donut shop. They followed her like she drove home. They followed her to her home where she lived with her parents. Keep in mind, 18 is still like a minor mm-hmm. in California, especially at this time too. Like she's a kid still. Um, they pull up behind her. So she's like getting out of her car. She opens the door and she's like, okay. And they they flash their badges. And before she can like make it inside, like, They don't really give her like a whole lot of explanation. They're just like, ma'am, you need to come with us like this to the station. It's super important. She's like, I can see my dad though. Like you should probably just take it up with him. Like I'm a kid. Mm -hmm. She's even like, my dad's like in the window over there, like in my household. Like I'm, and then they're like, nope, you got to go. And because she was like fighting back, they just literally attacked her and grabbed her and put her in the car, like fully like abduction mode. Right there in the open street. It is nighttime, but it's still just like anyone could have seen. But was her dad actually in the window? He was inside. He was inside. Yeah. I he didn't see anything. Like okay. it comes out later. He didn't see anything, but like maybe his back was turned and she was like, Oh, he's in there. Like, yeah, there he is. Like, I'm gonna go get him. Like, talk to him. It's just what I mean. Like, that's so risky. But, right? This is where it gets good. So, well, this, okay, I shouldn't have said that now because I'm getting into the not good stuff. I'll get into the, this is where it gets good after this part. So scratch that. Um, But so they take her and bring her back to Angelo's and perform the same routine that they have now on the previous women, except this time, since they had like so much fun switching things up last time, they wanted to try another new thing. So Angelo was like, okay, hang on. I have another brilliant idea. He went and got electrical wire from his workshop and stripped like the ends of it so like the actual just like the cords were exposed yeah the electrical part where it's not like the rubber padding and everything he then taped them to her palms and then stuffed the other end into an outlet so just like electrocuted. yep so they just did that a few times kept mm. shocking her on and off and kenny talks about this in like interviews later which i'll cover obviously we're getting there But yeah, he even talks about how it's like, it didn't kill her, but like she did thrash around, like it definitely electrocuted her, like very Um, nonchalantly. It's like, yes, it did. Of course it did. Of course it did. Like, so there were actually marks left on her palms after. So like when like investigators and like the autopsies were run, they were like, yeah, there's clearly like electrical burns on Mm -hmm. her palms. Yeah. So November 29th, which was the very next day, Lauren Wagner's body was discovered. So after Lauren's family had, like, identified her, um, this is when, like, detectives came and started, like, asking questions and stuff if anyone had seen anything. Because when her parents came out in the morning and, like, they had, like, also called, like, the police station to, like, report everything, they saw that Lauren's car door was still left open. Oh, So they're like, her car's here. She's gone. Yeah. Her door's open. Like, obviously some kind of foul play went down. Like. Yeah. Obviously. And then they've now found her body and they're doing the full investigation. So they're like, something's not right here. So 
Lauren's dad and a de- one of the detectives, I think it was Detective Grogan, who um, went and talked to a neighbor who said, you know what, I, I was actually on the street and I did see her pull up and like get into the driveway. The neighbor, I'm not going to mention her because she has her own trauma that she does reveal. So again, don't want to sucker her into this. But the neighbor said that she last saw, what she last saw was two men pulling up in a car, talk, um, talking to her and then taking her and putting her in the car. So when Detective Grogan was talking to this neighbor about what she saw, he kind of asked, like, why didn't she say anything right off the bat? Like, mm-hmm. not like a, not like blaming her, but they just, they do this. Like, they ask these kinds of questions. Like, why did you immediately come forward yeah, and call the police? reason why that didn't seem alarming to you? Yeah. Or yeah. So, someone. exactly. So, yeah. Anyways, I uh, she said that she was, like, hesitant at first because she was, like, I don't know, it was dark. Like, I wasn't even entirely sure if it was Lauren. Like, it could have been anybody. And she, like, was also herself, like, freaked out. She was, like, I was just, like, scared and, like, in panic mode. Um, also, like, I feel like, yeah, like, how would how would you feel, like, if you watched something like that? Like, yeah. yeah, I feel like you'd just be, like, stunned, right? And then so she finally, like, says to Detective Grogan, like, I actually just received a phone call literally like minutes before you came here from a man with a New York accent telling me to never talk about what I saw last night or else I'll be killed. Oh my gosh. So that's why she didn't immediately come forward, but she finally felt comfortable to express this to Detective Grogan through their questioning. So if you're wondering how they even knew how the neighbor like saw, saw that like that they knew that the neighbor saw, um, I, she was inside, like near her front door. And I guess her dog started like barking like crazy out the window, yeah. which was out of character for this dog. Like if Oscar did that, I'd be like, okay, here you fucking go with the gun. Mm-hmm. But like, this was out of character. Um, her husband was like off in the back of the house, like taking a bath or something. So he didn't hear. So she said it was just me. So I opened the door and I saw this kerfuffle going down, but because my dog was barking, like it drew attention. So we both just like squatted and I covered my dog's mouth to get him to stop barking. Mm -hmm. So that's how she saw everything, Mm -hmm. but she thought she was successfully unnoticed, Mm -hmm. but apparently not until the phone call happened. So Angelo had thought that he saw a woman crouched down beside like a door with a barking dog. Like he thought he saw that. It turns out he was obviously right. So what he did was he actually ended up asking one of his ex-girlfriends who worked at like this like phone company to trace the phone number that belonged to that house and matched the address and everything. And he called and threatened her. So that's how that happened. So during this questioning with Detective Grogan, um, the neighbor had actually confessed that when she was much younger, she was also attacked and aggressively raped in like a relatively similar situation. So seeing this unfold completely paralyzed her. And this was like her reasoning behind not doing more immediately, even prior to this phone call. Yeah. Which like, cause that's what I was thinking too. Like, again, not blaming her, just thinking like, obviously he didn't call right away. Obviously this was like hours after. Like basically the next day. Like a day. So there, that's what I was thinking. I was like, there must be some other reason why she was so scared. Yeah. Even before the phone call. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. I just like, that's why I know we never do it. We never try to judge people in the moment. of no. like, why didn't you do this? No, like, I think people like, I think people uh, unintentionally like 
phrase things like that in a way that sounds like they're blaming the person but I think it's more coming from a perspective of like we know that like if you witness something it is important to come forward and 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 yeah it can help solve some of these cases or like or help save somebody or whatever yeah. right um but if there's a reason why you don't or you're just scared like that's understandable it is yeah it so it really is yeah that's why I just figured like I definitely add that in like that's that's insane like mm-hmm. seeing that I would be I can't imagine how I would feel I'd also I I to put myself in a position like this where like she's been through a relatively similar situation she very likely thought she was hallucinating well like, I, I, I feel like I would be like projecting like a vision of like yeah I'm imagining this like this cannot be real yeah I think there, I would be questioning a lot like yeah. did I see what I think I saw like was it I yeah could it have been construed in a different way like was is that really did what I, I just saw? Yeah. yeah or was it just a friend getting into like another friend's car like mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I would just be like I must be imagining this like mm-hmm. I just there's no way and then to get that phone call I'd be like okay it's confirmed it's confirmed it was real you know and that's probably why she was like having such a panic like because she's like noted as like being in like full-blown like heavy breathing like full panic attack during this entire questioning yeah rightfully so she was able to roughly identify their appearances though mm-hmm. she said one had sh- like sort of bushy hair dark bushy hair angelo mm-hmm. And the other one was a little taller than the other one, but had shorter hair, but he had acne scars all over his neck and face. Mm. Kind of. Because he does have, like, noticeable, like, dents on his, like, skin. And that's a pretty identifiable, like, description. Exactly. So, that's really it. Okay. Yeah. So, they've been been identified, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Basically. I know not like their identities, but people are but starting to be first, like this is two men. First, visual description. Yeah, this is yeah. the first visual description other than just two men. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge step. Huge step. And it gets it gets crazier. Oh. It gets oh, I'm crazier. sure it does. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's fucking part two, you guys. That was rough. Sorry. All of it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I promise the rest. Okay, well, there's still, like, actually, like, some more shittiness to come. Mm-hmm. But then at least, like, with the investigation, we get to do a bottle. Like, you fucking buddy. You know? Yeah, so yeah. It gets good. Part, yeah. It gets good. I promise. I promise. So on that note, please sign up to be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed. And if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to howtonotgetkilled at gmail.com. Or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at howtonotgetkilled. And you can follow us on Twitter at h2ngk. You can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Yeah, do all those things. Do them. Why haven't you done them already? They're doing it right now. They are. I know they are. I can feel it. I can feel it. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. And just keep it super, super sleazy. Super Like the extra is most intense laziness ever. The sleaziest. The sleaziest. Bye-bye. Bye.